I love In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> and have you ever had this experience where you're driving up, you're craving a double-double animal style, and, and you turn the corner and you come up to the restaurant and then you see that drive-through line? <laughs> it's an ungodly drive-through line. <laughs> And sometimes I just have to say, I, I, I look at it and I can't take the suffering of the weight and I just turn and drive off. Okay, I, I also love Chick-fil-A. Any Chick-fil-A fans? Oh, Chick-fil-A, I could eat you seven times a day where the parents laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Um, there was a Chick-fil-A coming to La Mesa and the first hundred people that were in line were going to get Chick-fil-A for a whole year. Dreamy. But I couldn't, I couldn't stay in line. I, I wasn't willing to sacrifice staying in line through the night missing sleep for Chick-fil-A that I totally loved. Um, I could go on. I, I, I love to surf. I, I, I love catching a, a great, beautiful wave. But when it gets too big, which for me is anything over like waist high, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not willing to sacrifice my body in like a human washing machine uh, to, to, to catch that wave. I'm not willing for that physical sacrifice. And, and I love football. If you know me, I love football. I talk about football a lot. My boys are football players. Um, do you know I, I love the Chargers? I never bought tickets to one game. I'm not willing to pay over 100 bucks to see football. Here, here's my point. Um, there's a, there's a, a place and a point where the sacrifice is just too big to pay for something I love. Um, it reminds me of the meatloaf song. Y'all remember meatloaf? Yeah. I could do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this so much, but I won't do that. <laughs> and that's what is so amazing to me about Easter is that there was no cost too high, no sacrifice too big for Jesus to pay to demonstrate his great love for you. And we're going to recount that today as we look in the Gospel of Mark chapter 15 and 16. We've been in a series, and Mark, we're completing it this morning. You'll be able to catch right up, and let me just take the time to invite you to come next week. We're going to start a really incredible series called Winning Your Battles, learning about the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. But let's jump in this morning. Says this, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and then they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. 
and they crucified him. Dividing his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and the other on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, a darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said with a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last. You know, so many times we hear Jesus died for us on the cross, but do we think about all he endured on the way to the cross? I I just want to recount this for a moment because there was no price that was too big. There was no place where he said enough to demonstrate his love for you. First, it says that the soldiers led Jesus away. Do you know that Jesus became a prisoner on our behalf. I've never been in prison for the gospel. Uh, I have been in TSA secondary check though. And it's awful. It's one thing to have to put your your items through the x-ray machine. It's another thing when they like pull you aside and you're stuck. Like you see your, your gate, but you can't get there. And then they frisk you and wand you and look at you all skeptical. And And to think that Jesus, the creator of the world, the one who gives men freedom, and the one who is the creator of the law, that he actually made himself a prisoner, gave up his rights, and was held hostage by by harsh and hard Roman guards. It's, It's amazing to me. But he did all this to show his love for you. And then it says that they struck him on the head and they spit on him. He was abused and spat on. Yeah, I I was spit on one time. Um, I was at Six Flags, the amusement park, and uh, about 21, I was leading a group of youth in our church youth group, and we're just like having a good time talking about church, and and this little seventh grade girl with all black on looks at us and goes, yuck, Christians, and spit right on me. And I'm a germ freak. So I'm like, oh, and, and I was hurt. I'm like, I'm a nice guy. Why would you spit on me? Uh, obviously, it was painful. I'm still thinking about it now. And, and to think that Jesus was spit on by these soldiers, and not just that, that they took their a staff and were hitting him and beating him on the head. Someone who only wanted to show love and kindness and compassion is getting beat. All this to show his love for you. 
Thirdly, he was mocked. Scripture says that they mocked him. You know, if, if you've ever been mocked, it's, it's painful. My, my, my mom was always a, a little ahead of the fashion times, and then she'd, like, um, live that through me. And so uh, she bought me these pinstripe overalls. Uh, and she made me wear them last year. No, <laughs> uh, as a kid. And back then I had a little more hair, a lot more hair. And it was like long and blonde. And she wouldn't let me cut it because she just loved it. <laughs> Maybe she knew that it wouldn't always be here. And, and so here I am in pinstripe overalls with long blonde hair. And I remember this kid coming up and saying, you look like a girl. And then, and then the kids around were like, you look like a girl. And, and, and it was painful Uh, to me, to be mocked by these kids. But think about Jesus, who only spoke words of life and love, to endure being mocked. While he's suffering, when I'm suffering, I want someone to speak compassionately to me. But he's being mocked. They're, They're sneering at him. All this to show you his great love. Fourthly, they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Jesus was taken to a place he didn't want to go. Like, I hate being in places that I don't want to be in. Like, for me, it's the middle seat in an airplane. Uh, That is suffering. But Jesus, no, I mean, seriously, think about it. You know you're dying. You want to be in a peaceful place. And, you know, at an old age with your family and friends gathered in your bedroom around you, holding your hands, recounting their love and the good times. No, Jesus willingly goes to Golgotha, which was a place of execution. The stench of death, the eerie feel the ominous, the depressing. That's where Jesus willingly went. All this to show you his his great love. And then he's tempted. It says they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. Imagine all night long he's been on trial, then he's been beat, he's he's been led around, he's been scourged, and, and I'm sure his throat is burning with thirst and it's the hot day and he's, he's, he's offered wine. He's te- I mean, I'm sure he needed something to drink so badly. And, and here they're finally offering him something to drink. But you remember the night before he had actually broken the bread and taken the wine and passed it to his disciples and said, this is my blood shed for you. And then he says, I'm not going to drink this again until I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. And so then they're offering him wine and I'm sure he wants it so bad. But And it's not just wine, it's wine mixed with myrrh. And so this would have deadened the pain. Like this is the one merciful thing they do the whole time is they offer him this and it would have helped deaden the pain, and yet Jesus endures the fullness of the pain, and he withholds himself from this temptation, all this to show you his great love for you. And then it says, they divided up his clothes. I I don't know if you've ever been stolen from. My house was burglarized a couple years ago. You feel so vulnerable. You feel so taken advantage of. But imagine you're there 
being crucified. And instead of people showing compassion, they're, they're dividing your clothes and they're taking from you. And then it says that he's crucified between two rebels, one on his right and one on his left. So now instead of at least people saying, well, at least he's being crucified for us. Instead, he looks like a crook. He looks like a bad guy. He loses even his reputation. He's being looked upon with disdain by thousands of people. All this to show you his love, his love for you. And then the worst part of the whole crucifixion is this. Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His whole life, he had known perfect fellowship with his father, the, the love of God, his constant presence. But in that moment of his most intense pain, he is completely alone, abandoned by God. And why? Let me, let me draw this out for you. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God of God. Here you are, and here is God over here. And the Bible explains that God is holy. He's transcendent other. He is majestic. There's no shadow of turning. There's no sin in him. But then the Bible says that we all have sin. What's sin? Sin is lying, cheating, stealing, jealousy, envy, adulterous thoughts, uh, it's murderous thoughts. It's, it's all of these things that, that just come through us and out of us. And so the Bible explains that because of our sin, we're separated from God. It's like we're dirty. And so anything we do, we'd want to get to God, the all-loving God. But anything we do because we have sin and we're dirty, anything we touch is dirty. And so it says even our, our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. So nothing we do can get to God. It's just like that song says, there's a, a chasm between us. There's a separation. And, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die and spend eternity separated from God forever in a place called hell, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, of eternal suffering. But God loves us too much to leave us in that state. And so although we can do nothing to get to God, God made a bridge to us. And here's what that bridge is. That bridge is the cross. You see crosses on the top of churches, you see crosses on people's necklaces, but have you ever really understood that what happened on the cross was Jesus dying, but why? The Bible says this, that he died for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, what he was doing was he was actually taking our sins in his body. Scripture says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin. When Jesus was on the cross, he was pierced, his hands, his feet, his side. And when his blood ran down, the Bible says it's by his wounds we are healed. The blood of Jesus 
actually cleanses us of all our sins. Scripture goes on to say, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. The cross is our opportunity to be reunited in relationship with God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's what Easter is all about. And so let's just finish the story here in the end of Mark 15 and 16 to just see how much Jesus paid for for us. It says this, after he died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Imagine a curtain like this, but so much taller and so much thicker. And when Jesus died, at that moment, what happened is that curtain that separated, it was a curtain in the temple, and it separated a place where everyone could come to a place called the Holy of Holies behind the curtain where the presence of God actually dwelt. And only one time of year, one man, the high priest, could go behind it. But when Jesus died in that moment, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom, and it opened up the opportunity for every person to have 24-7 access to the presence of God. Not just one high priest anymore, but all of us who believe in his name could go and have right relationship with God. It says this, the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died. He said, surely this man was the son of God. When he saw the earth go dark, when he heard the earthquake below him, he understood a former enemy of Jesus in an instant realizes this is the son of God. And then scripture goes on to say this. So Joseph, this is Joseph of Arimathea, bought some linen cloth. He took down the body, he wrapped it in the linen, and he placed it in the tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. You see, Jesus actually died. And he was actually placed in a tomb, and then they sealed that tomb with a huge stone. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And that's the end of Friday. But now let's move to Sunday. It says this, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. You see, Jesus defeated death. Yes, he was on the tomb. He was in that tomb on Friday, but on Sunday, he rose from the dead. And the difference between Jesus and every other leader of every other religion is their bodies are still in the earth decaying. But Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. He's risen from the dead, and he's sitting enthroned in heaven. And he's summoning us to spend eternity with him. This is great news. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, 
out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. Have you ever noticed that? The first person that Jesus shows up to, it's not the most upright person. It's not the religious leader. It's not the scholar. It's not the perfect churchy person. It's Mary Magdalene who had seven demons. Seven demons. That's a bad day. Seven demons cast out of her. What does this show us? It shows us that, 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 that Jesus isn't just here for the, the most righteous, the most healthy. It shows us that there's no person too far gone for Jesus to save and redeem and to use. He doesn't just show up and appear to, why does he show up and appear to her? Because Jesus loves to draw near those who know their need for him. I want to tell you, if you're broken today, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you sin, your sin is not more powerful than the cross and resurrection of Jesus. There is no person too far gone. And not only does he save you, then he uses you. He calls her, he appears to her, and then he says, no, you go. You go and tell. And so look, she runs to the disciples, and then it says, later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. And he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Can I just tell you, it's not even just about us believing in Jesus. Jesus then gives you a purpose, each one of us a purpose. You might have thought my life's not very significant. I don't matter much. Can I just tell you, when you're saved and you're redeemed, then God drafts you onto the most important team in all of the universe and gives you the most important work to do, which is telling people about his good news. The power, you feel the power when we're worshiping up here. You feel the presence of God. Can I tell you, he's calling you to carry that into your everyday life and to proclaim that message that changes lives. It'll change your family members. It'll change your workplace. It'll change your neighborhood. It'll change the nations. And he's calling you to take that and to believe with him. Let's finish with this. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Can I just tell you, it's that simple. It's not your works. It's his work. And how do you receive this gift of salvation? By simply believing. And even today you might say, gosh, I just don't know if I believe enough. Can I just tell you the Bible says, yeah, faith the size of a mustard seed. You could see the mountain move. That's a tiny little bit of faith. I want to invite you today to pray and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to know your sins are forgiven, to know you'll spend eternity with him in heaven, and to be brought into his family. Isn't that great news? Let's stand up. If you're thankful for Jesus today, just wave your hand. Isn't he awesome? Praise God. Hey, would you just close your eyes with me? Just close your eyes. And no one moving. This is just the, the most important part of the whole morning as we all respond with gratitude in our hearts. Just close your eyes right now. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to make him your Lord and Savior and have your sins forgiven, or if you want to come back to Jesus, you say, I've drifted far away. I want you to pray this with me. 
And also just for the rest of us, church, on Easter Sunday, let's just reaffirm and state our faith and belief that he is our Savior and Lord. So let's all just pray this together with all our hearts. Let's say this together. Dear Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And thank you for rising from the dead. I repent of my sin. And I choose you. I make you my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to follow you forever. And just with your eyes closed right now, for those of you that are making that decision today, praying to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, or those that are coming back to him today, I wanna pray for you right now in this moment. All over this room, if that's you, you're doing that today, will you just boldly raise your hand and wave at me real quick? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Just let me see you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Just make sure I see you. Look up at me. Amen. Thank you back there. Thank you back there. Anyone else? You just say thank you right there. Anyone? Thank you back there. Anyone else? Just say I'm doing that today. Thank you, sir. I see you. Thank you back there. I see you. Praise God. Church, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate all these that are coming to Jesus today. Father, I pray right now for all of these that are making you their Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that you're sealing them with the Holy Spirit. They never have to question again because it's your work, not theirs. Thank you that you're washing them clean. You're filling them with the Holy Spirit and they will spend eternity in heaven with you and all of us. Amen.